Nick's shaggy head peeked around the giant easel that bisected the space. He looked intense, distracted, like he was caught working on the piece of a lifetime, and he probably was. But he didn't look annoyed at the interruption. After a moment, Nick lent the same gaze to Indy that he had to the canvas he stood in front of. All five foot two of her, standing in front of the glass door, strapped to a backpack, holding an armful of pads and two huge tote bags bursting with supplies. Hi, Indigo said shyly. Her voice echoed in the vastness of the empty room. Hey, take a load off. Look at all the crap you're schlepping. Let me give you a hand. Nick walked around the easel, wiping his paint-smeared hands on his jean shorts. Then he reached out for Indy's bags. Jeez, Nick said. You're gonna end up a hunchback if you carry all this stuff around. Don't you know this is too heavy for a little girl like you? Indy's cheeks flamed up at the term little girl, but not an offense. It was kind of hot the way Nick said it, like she was thin or young or fragile. I'm good, thanks, Indigo said, struggling to transfer her sketch pads onto the long wooden table in front of her. She looked around at the familiar space. There were the slanted drafting tables, the corner with the pencil sharpener and the cutting board, the wall of massive aluminum sinks behind the garbage cans for recycling and trash. Off the main space was the sculpture studio with welding equipment and ceramic supplies, including a working kiln that Lillian had commissioned from a team of Amish lesbians out of Pennsylvania who crafted the thing from naturally occurring stone and organic mud. The whole place felt cold and homey at the same time, like you could get work done here for hours on end, but you wouldn't want to take a nap in any of the chairs. Nick rolled his eyes and slipped his hands beneath the straps of Indy's backpack, grazing her shoulders through her hoodie. Don't be a hero, he said, taking the bag. And be careful, you seem a little shaky on your legs today. Nick gestured with a nod toward Indy as he put her backpack on the table next to her stuff. I will. She blushed at his mention of their earlier run-in, unzipping her knapsack as she looked over at the lockers, which lined the glass wall facing her bunk. Indy paused before starting to unload all of her stuff. There was an awkwardly long silence. Not sure what to say, Indigo resisted the urge to mention the email he'd sent her. She knew it wasn't the time to talk about it, but she wanted to so badly. Aren't you exhausted from the trip? I always feel like the first day of camp is the longest. Nick broke the silence, taking his place back in front of the easel. It was the second time he'd saved her from humiliation that night. I just wanted to get a head start on settling in before everything gets crazy. I like that about you. Indigo Hamlish, serious artist. You might be the only one at the camp, you know. Really? Nah. Everybody here is serious to a fault, Nick laughed. But at least from your work, you get the sense that you're into what you do for you. You're not just following your parents' orders or drumming up whatever requisite A-for-effort kind of commitment that would get you into a good college one day for extracurriculars. You're like Supergirl or something. Plus, you're talented as fuck. Indigo smiled, feeling flattered that Nick would swear around her liberally. It meant he regarded her as a peer, not as a camper or a mentee, even. Thanks. She tried to be confident for once instead of self-deprecating. Do you mind if I take this big locker? Help yourself. Nick rinsed his brushes and coffee cans full of turpinoid while Indy stacked pads and boxes of charcoals, pencils, pastels, and colored pencils in the roomiest locker of the studio. Is that Liz Taylor? Nick looked over at one of the many bulging sketchbooks Indigo was transferring from the pile on the table to the locker next to the sink. 
Indeed, she had duct-taped a vintage black-and-white photo of Elizabeth Taylor busting out of a halter top and looking sultry and freckled in some 1960s pinup onto the cover of the sketchbook she used for life drawing. She had books she kept for research and inspiration, ones she kept for writing, some she kept for collage work, and some for drafting ideas for three-dimensional projects. But this one was full of drawings of people she saw on the subway, in the park, and occasionally naked when she went down to Prince Street in Soho for evenings of life-drawing classes that featured live models and jazz. Indy nodded. I found that photo in an old Life magazine I bought from a street vendor in the village. She was smoking hot, Nick said, as he put a brush up to his canvas and marked it with intention. One of my all-time favorites, but it wasn't until, like, Cleopatra and Butterfield 8 when she, you know, started looking like that. He ran a hand through his shiny dark hair and it fell down.